Tasmania's time has come. It's a glorious and uplifting moment in Australia's football history. I reckon there's probably a few pinching themselves having believed that this day would never really happen. That's the voice of one of the country's most influential and respected voices in sport, Jared Waitley, who joins us now on SEN Tassie Breakfast. Welcome to the show, Jared. Brent, Tim, great to be with you. Lovely to hear your voice, mate. Uh, we're all fighting amongst ourselves in Tassie when it comes to the team in the stadium at the moment, but we're in a bit of a, a bubble down here, it's fair to say. So we'd love to get your thoughts from a, a mainlander's perspective, I suppose, on how we look down here. Are we a bit of a, a laughing stock that we, we were crying out for this team for so long? We finally have it, and we're now potentially trying to blow it up? No, I think we're, I think we're understanding enough to know how modern politicking works. Uh, and protesting forces and the like. So I fit, we're all a bit fretful on the mainland that, that it might not happen, having worked so hard, and, and how would it look in the annals of history if the AFL granted the team for Tasmania only for the internal squabbling to see it handed back and, and the lost opportunity that that would represent. But I feel like we, we sort of believe in the, the greater good that there'll be enough people with vision to be able to, to see what this represents to the state in the long term and, and not be so myopic as to boil it down to the eight nights of footy that would be played in the stadium only. So it, it's fingers crossed is that there's the, the wide-held view that the competition would be enriched by Tasmania's presence and the, the long-term hope that that will remain on course. And, and I think there's sort of also that willingness. Is if there's anything that could be done from the mainland, a lot of people would like to line up and help, but it... It really is yours to sort out first. Yeah, we've certainly got our fingers crossed down here, Jared. Like you said, it was a glorious and uplifting moment. I feel like the longer it goes on without this stadium getting built, people are starting to be slightly concerned. But if we do get the nod and it does go ahead, in your opinion, what are the most important steps or appointments for us to make down here first? Yeah, so the, the creation of the board was the, the first step. And then... A, probably two years out, you, you want a chief executive of the calibre of Brendan Gale, who knows the industry inside out, but also has the knowledge of what Tasmania is. In the background, the pathways have to be absolutely refined to their best possible so that the kids at the moment who are 12 and 13 and 14 are developed to be the best football prospects they can be. So the, the, the best case scenario is that every kid who picks up a footy in Tassie at the moment dreams of playing for their own team beyond 2028. And then the, the pathway is created to allow that talent to thrive and be, be fully ready. And that's so in the first two or three years, there is a, a flow of Tasmanian players. But beyond that, there's a critical mass of Tasmanian players who are ready and the, the planning around that is that they would, that, you know, any football prospects from 2028 onwards would never leave the island. Is they, they would play for that team. So that's the, the cultural piece. That's the dreaming piece. And that would require, when the time comes, the right football manager and then the right coach. So if you just pick from the pool that's active at the moment, as I floated this a little while ago, somebody like Chris Fagan, when his coaching time is finished at the Lions to be the football manager knowing all that he has been through. And then someone like Chris Scott, is, could you sell him the vision beyond his Geelong days to go and coach this team? So that sort of 
preparing to run the team from 2027 through to its inaugural year and into the comp is uh, they're sort of they're the really obvious building blocks president chief executive footy manager coach talent pathway to be able to fuel the team for the years to come what about the 2028 timeline, Jared? I've got concerns about uh, you know getting ready by then. I mean, the AFL put in some pretty um, harsh timelines, I suppose, that we need to be ready by then um, after a year playing out of Belrive even New Taz and being in the new stadium by 2029. Can you actually see that being ticked off, that, that timeline? I, yeah, I can, because once you actually get to the business of, so whichever year you go, okay, so this is, this is T minus two years, from 2026, then it actually progressively comes together. There's a way that, uh, that there's nothing like a deadline to sharpen the mind and get things moving. It's still so theoretical at the moment that it's hard to know. So which step do you do first is there's no point having the league's best chief executive in place at the moment because it's too far out. You can't appoint a coach for the first season in 2028 when you're in 2024 is you can do all the planning you like, but you don't know the players that you'll have and the like. So I think the the imposition of what is a long-term deadline? So I talked to Robert Craddock about this from an NRL perspective is they announced the Gold Coast, they gave them an 18-month timeline to be ready and they were ready. Um, this is a much longer time frame than that. And it does sort of leave you with this. So what do you do? What are the steps that you take? But once you're on the clock then it becomes really clear. And the, the accumulation of draft picks, you know, pre-drafted players in 2027 and then what you put on your list in 2028. So that part of it doesn't worry me. The, the, the only hesitation I have is I, I am a believer that game one should be in the new stadium and that you shouldn't, you shouldn't play a year as a nomad team through... I know those venues are well-established, but you want the pop... I think night one run out new stadium whole state engaged with it that was always the pop for me and if that means waiting till 2029 I personally would do that yeah Jared the stadium debate certainly raging on down here you've been to Adelaide and Perth in the last sort of five or so years since those stadiums have have been built how transformative do you think the Mac Point Stadium can be for Tasmania hugely so I know the, the piece of land for when I've come down from footy and cricket. And it, it must be, I agree with the analysis, it must be the best piece of land in Australia that is not being utilised in any worthwhile way. And that's such a shame, is if you have that, you, you must at some point develop it into a, a showpiece. Is Anyone who's been to Adelaide knows how the redevelopment of Adelaide Oval, which was done under such opposition from old timers, has transformed the city. It's outside of 80,000 plus the MCG. The best experience in Australian sport is Adelaide Oval. And and what they built in Perth utilised all the best of modern technology for a a showpiece stadium. And it's brilliant. It heaves and it rocks. Now, when it's interesting to talk about as a test cricket venue where it's not quite what it is for footy, but um, that that's a place that people want to go to to see their big-time sport. And this, I think, the opponents of it, of, of a stadium in Tasmania, I, I understand the economic reservations. And you can always... We've just lived through in Victoria where a Commonwealth Games was cancelled and the government said, well, we'd rather spend that money and in health and education. And that is all. that will always be true. But there has to be, and there is money for sport. 
And the money that it will generate going back into the community, that's the part that's been underestimated and missed. It won't be for eight nights of footy only. And the way Perth is used for major events and for concerts and for conferences, it becomes a real... It's almost a breathing centrepiece of your town. I do think that's what it will be at Mac Point. And in a generation's time when it's there and it is... It, it, it becomes the almost the symbol of Hobart's modernisation. People will go, oh, how did we ever miss? How are we ever opposed to that? That's what people in Adelaide say now. Those who voted against the redevelopment of Adelaide Oval, they, they look back and go, oh, how silly were we? We couldn't see the big picture. You've summed it up beautifully, Jared. Now, I'd like to say you're up next, but unfortunately, Tim wants this. He's fascinated by this six to eight time slot, unfortunately. <laughs> so we'd, I'd love to roll into you. But what can we expect from you from nine o'clock this morning? Well, the, the chances of the sequence of games in the AFL from Friday night to the end of Saturday resolving the way that they did were 1,148 to one. Oh, there you go, the actual odds. Remember, yeah, I can't what remember around that represented such upheaval. And it was absolutely thrilling. So trying to pull that apart. Um, the, the big winner was clearly Carlton. But um, who of the top three caused concern in Collingwood, Brisbane and, Adela- and Port Adelaide all losing? Uh, there, there's so much there. And then I do feel like today is a day. Are you an optimist or a pessimist when it comes to sport? Can you see a Dave Warner century and a Sam Kerr goal? Or yes. are you sitting there living in fear of a cluster <laughs> of wickets under leaden London skies <laughs> and the Matildas being overwhelmed by Canada, the, uh, the Olympic champion? So um, th- these hours are going to be filled with almost a sense of dread for what's coming tonight. Uh, we can't wait for it. It's a, a sports lover's night ahead. There's no doubt about that. Jared Waitley, great to have you on our little show, mate. We really appreciate it. And we'd love to get you back on in the future to talk all things sport. I'm here for you. Look forward to it.